Hi there, Harry from Witch here. Our research has found that millions of families are skipping meals to survive the cost of living crisis. And our figures show that over 8 in 10 people in the UK are having to make adjustments to save money on food. With the price of essential products soaring, we believe that supermarkets have to step up to the plate to help us all. That's why we've launched the Affordable Food for All campaign, calling on the big supermarkets to take action and make a real difference to communities across the UK. If you agree and would like to join our campaign, then sign our petition at witch.co.uk affordable food and use the hashtag affordable food for all on social media. Thank you. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and this week, witch journalist Grace Witherden brings you a very special episode on pensions. So I'm first going to hand you over to Grace as she investigates why so many pension pots are lost and how easy it is to track them down. Do you know how many pension pots you have? Do you know what they're worth, what the charges are, and where your money is invested? If you don't have a clue to any of these questions, then you're not alone. In fact, when we surveyed 2,000 members of the public in November to ask them about their workplace pensions, one in five weren't confident that they know how many pots they have. It's estimated that the average person will have 11 different jobs in their lifetime. So if you qualify for auto-enrolment, that's 11 different pension pots. So it's no wonder that people are struggling to keep track of them all. In fact, 2.8 million pensions are considered lost, according to the Pensions Policy Institute and the Association of British Insurers. The average lost pot is worth £9,470. And as we found out, finding one isn't always straightforward. We challenged free volunteers at which to take part in a simple mission. Track down your pension pots and find out key information about each of your schemes. This included their scheme number, the pension provider contact details, the total value of their pension, where it's invested and a projected total at their retirement age. None of our volunteers had reviewed their retirement savings in this way before and had to comb through years' worth of pension statements. Here's how they got on. First up was Joey, who struggled to get in touch with some of his providers. Some of them have really bad customer service contact routes or route, like they either have a very slow turnaround, a really obscure and difficult way of... So like there's one where... You email them, but it's not a normal email. You have to log into a secure, separate email address that says it's your email address, but it's like on a different website. So you can't just you can't just go on your on your phone and just send an email. You have to log in through this thing, and then when they reply, you get an email. But then you have to log into this thing to actually see it, and you can't just reply to that. So it was so yeah, just weird and no phone number because most of the time I would prefer to email someone and not talk to someone in person, especially things like this, and just have it. I don't mind it taking a while. That that can take as many as long as it takes. I'm not in a rush to get it sorted, but when it was this obscure and difficult and like. 
I had to make a password for it, but they sent me the password login when they first made it and I didn't notice at the time. And then they were like, well, your password login thing is now expired and you need to request a new one. But to request a new one, because that email address didn't exist anymore for me. So they're like, to request a new one, you'll need to, to access that old email address. And I was like, literally, that is a domain name that is gone. I get why they're doing it. They want it to be really secure and it's for your own benefit and safety. And when it works, it works fine. But it tested my patience quite considerably to get onto that system. Now, Joey didn't get off to the best start tracing down his pension. But eventually, someone did read his email and he was able to update his email address. But he was never able to get in touch with another provider, even after sending multiple emails to his former employer, Ocado. So I started it off by contacting the contact centre for just normal customer service queries and said that, not normal customer service query, I am an ex-employee of Ocado. I would like to know how I find out what's going on with my pension so I can get some information and update my address. I've moved. Um, and the persons, the customer service people helpful and friendly they're like okay no you need to email hr and the only external email address that can get through to hr is the recruitment one and i was like okay is there a number of i didn't ask for a number at first but eventually i asked for a number no i'm not allowed a phone number i to be fair i think at this point if i was to carry on it would be very much an escalating it to a manager there and and potentially more uh but every time i've emailed three or four times that hr recruitment email address and never actually found out what the actual pension fund is. So goodness knows what's going on with that one. Whilst I'm not overly worried at this point, because I'm 31, it's a long time, hopefully, until I need to access these pots. Um, I I think I need to access, I need to, I need to sort this out in the next year for future me. Otherwise, I'll curse myself. When we told Ocado about Joey's problems, they told us they were working to fix the matter. Now on to our next volunteer, Christina, who thought she may have free pensions from previous employers, but during the exercise, she could only confirm one of these. One had gone into administration and the other one didn't have any obvious contact details, so I had to dig around quite a bit to be able to contact either of them. And actually one of them I couldn't contact at all, so I just abandoned. I used gov.uk's find my pension details form, um, so that gave me the phone number of the company that was handling the pension since they'd gone into administration. But I rang them a few times and no one ever picked up, so then I just gave up. If it was an employer that I believed I did have a big pension from, then I would have continued trying to contact them. But I'm also hoping that if that was the case, they would have contacted me at some point to let me know what was happening um, with with my pension since they went into administration. I had paperwork from my current employer and my previous employer. And um, the fourth one, I didn't have any paperwork from. It turns out I don't have a pension with them. Um, but to find that out, I had to dig around quite a lot on the internet to find a contact. Um, couldn't find anyone relevant to contact. In the end, I had to use um, a contact form on their website that took me through to some other random department. I submitted a question through that a few times and eventually they put me through to someone from their HR department. But this exercise did prompt her to look into how much she need for retirement. Doing this exercise prompted me to have a look at which is calculator um, showing like how much I would need to retire. So that actually really scared me. And that's definitely prompted me to do ABCs. Um, and I I would never opt out of auto-enrolment now. So it also prompted me to talk a lot more to my friends about pensions. And it wasn't something we'd really discussed before. 
there is a lot more knowledge in my age group now of the importance of saving up now for a pension. I think because you see quite a few adverts on trains, etc., for combining your pensions. And it did also make me wonder how friends who've gone freelance or gone on maternity leave have had their pensions affected. Um, so in general, it just made me think a lot more about, you know, what's happening with my pension. Because I knew that auto enrolment had come in and I think that's a really good thing. But I then kind of assumed that I was covered. So it didn't really occur to me as being like an urgent thing to look into exactly how much I would be getting. Um, and issues like what would happen if you went freelance, what would happen if you went on maternity leave, etc. I hadn't really thought about before. And then things like, where is my pension being invested? You know, I don't I don't want to retire off the back of money that's been invested in a way that I don't think is ethical. So all of that I hadn't really thought about before. And, you know, now I'm starting to. Christina ended up with a lot to mull over there. If you're wondering how much you need to retire, you can use our calculator and visit our guide how much I need to retire at which.co.uk. Our last volunteer, Gareth, had six pension pots to try and track down, but faced the same issues mentioned by Christina and Joey with getting in touch with his pension providers. So what, what I actually did was I got all the paperwork together and then I tried to um, access online sites and see where I could get via, via logging in online and seeing what information I could get there. And, and some of them were very, very good and had, had um, online credentials written on the letters. Others didn't have anything, um, possibly because of sort of how far back they went. Um, and you sort of had to do a lot more work in, into getting access with them. Uh, a couple of the companies in the, in the time constraints we had, I sort of didn't manage to get access to because I've moved address in the meantime and hadn't updated them. So although I still had the letter and the, the chasing things through, I didn't have access to the accounts because then they wanted additional security checks, quite rightly, on making sure that I'm the right person when I'm sort of putting those details in. When Gareth took part in the challenge, he had COVID, which meant he didn't leave his house and he was tasked with completing this exercise all online. He didn't think this would be a problem, but he didn't want to spend too much time on the phone or leave his house. But some companies required him to send physical letters to verify his ID. He also found that the length of time it took companies to get back to him varied massively from two days to 14 days. Gareth did manage to find details for some of his pensions, but the amount of information they showed him about his scheme also varied substantially. For me, because I was looking at so many different systems, I finally got into a habit of what I needed to do as I sort of worked through them. You know, these, these are the things I need to look at before I even start looking at the website. But then they all have such different logons and different methods of processing things and different methods of showing the data. And some will show you everything you need straight away. Others will be, you have to apply for it. It's just that there's, there's no common scheme. There's no common commonality between different providers, which makes it easy for the consumer. As Gareth points out, there is no common scheme, but there is a solution on the horizon. The solution proposed by the government and long campaigned for by which is pensions dashboards. These will let you view up-to-date details about all of your pension pots, as well as your state pension in one place online and could reunite you with lost pots. Schemes will be joining the dashboard system in stages, starting from this spring. But the public won't have access to dashboards until summer 2024 at the earliest. The government is currently considering whether small pension pots should be automatically consolidated, potentially following you if you change jobs by moving to your new employer scheme. 
This means things will eventually become a lot easier and hopefully people won't have to go through the same experience as our volunteers. Thank you so much to Grace and all our volunteers. Um, I'm sure those stories will have really resonated with so many of our listeners. They certainly did with me. And for a bit more advice to get you on your way to finding any lost pension pots and getting it all under control, I'm joined by Grace now. Um, So Grace, we heard there how our own volunteers struggled to track down their various different pots. Can you give us some advice on where our listeners should start? Yeah, sure. So it it really, really comes down to if you know who your pension provider is or who they were. Mm -hmm. So if you know who they are, it's quite simple because all you need to do is contact them and make sure you update your details when you change address. If you have a different email address that you're now using, always keep those details up to date and it will make sure that any annual statements follow you wherever you move to. And so, you know, that's the best thing here. Always keep everything up to date. Okay, so I imagine a lot of people won't know who their pension provider is. So what are their next steps? So there are a few things you can do. You can look for any correspondence in your house. So you might have some letters or annual statements, and this should tell you who the provider is. If you don't get anywhere with that, can you ask your ex-employer and maybe even an ex-colleague to see if they know. It's worth pointing out that direct contribution schemes are legally required to send you annual statements every year and many direct benefit schemes will also send you these. Um, When you joined your last employer, you would have been enrolled into the pension. So, you know, look for correspondence and any letters from around the time you joined. I mean, so that sounds in theory quite straightforward, but what if your ex-employer has gone out of business or they're unresponsive? This is the issue that our volunteers had. Um, there are a few, few tools you can use to track down the details. The Pension Tracing Service is a free government service. Um, it basically searches a database of more than 200,000 workplace and personal pension schemes to try and find the contact details that you need. Um, so this is what Christina used, one of our volunteers. You can also phone them if you don't have internet access mm-hmm. on 0800 731 0193. Um, and we'll try and put a link in this as well. All you do is you add in the details of your employer, what they were known as, and it will say what they might be known as now if they've been taken over. But you might not find everything you need here. So there are some private tools you can use. There are asset tracing services such as Gretel, um, which are usually used for, you You don't have to use this service for pension, you can use it to search for lost bank accounts, um, lost insurance policies and pensions, and that's also free to use. Um, there's also another private tracing service called pensiontracingservice.com, not to be confused with the government pension tracing service, which is different. Um, but this is another private, um, private tool, but it's also free to use um, where you can get information, it might have information about your pension. Lastly, the Association of British Insurers, ABI, they have their own database and you can also uh, check their website and they've got a lot of tips on how to trace your pension Um, and they know providers that have been taken over. So it might be that you can add in the name that you know and it might say, oh, actually, this has been taken over by this company. Um, So there's free, free port of calls there that should hopefully help people for now until we will see dashboards. Super helpful. And we'll get links to all of those in the description of today's show. And just lastly, can we give a small mention to the pensions dashboard? Grace, we've talked about this um, on the podcast 
over the last couple of years. Um, but it hasn't materialised just yet, has it? No, it's not going to be until summer 2024 at the earliest. There is a lot of Mm -hmm. work going on behind the scenes, but obviously um, there's so many different pension providers and everyone needs to align. Um, They're going to jump on the system in stages from now until then. And obviously they don't want to have a platform that's ready for the public until it's ready. Um, If you join it earlier and it's not very good, it's probably not going to encourage people to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will be summer 2024 at the earliest and it, it could even be later but we do know that providers will be given at least 12 months notice before the the go live date so as soon as they get that we will know it will be it should be a year until the public can use it so watch this space and uh, we will be keeping on top of it and we'll let you know as soon as we know more Thank you again to Grace and all of our volunteers this week. Uh, And if you enjoyed today's show, please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch us again next week. For more money news and advice, find us on social media at witchmoney and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. And we also have a free money newsletter, which is delivered to your inbox every Monday. To sign up, visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter. This episode of the Witch Bunny podcast was written and produced by Grace Witherden and edited by Rob Lilly.